Welcome to Words of Inspiration with Rev. James T. Brown, Jr., the lead pastor of Tabernacle of Worship. Let's join today's message in progress. Jesus. Well, family, we are continuing today in our series, One Nation, One God, One Nation, One God. And we are still in the book of Ezekiel. And I want you to turn there with me, the book of Ezekiel. And today we're actually looking at scripture that's in found, that's found rather in chapter 24, Ezekiel chapter 24. And we're going to begin at verse 21 today, verse 21. Somebody there, if you're there, say amen, type amen in chat, type amen. I missed that. <laughs> if you find this, type amen, say amen. So, so type amen if you found the scripture there in, in the scripture or in the Bible there, Ezekiel 24, verse 21. And we're going to begin reading. The word of God says, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the excellency of your strength, the desire of your eyes and that which your soul pitieth for you and your sons and your daughters whom ye have left shall fall by the sword and ye shall do as I have done. Ye shall not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men, and your tires shall be upon your heads, and your shoes upon your feet. Ye shall not mourn nor weep, but ye shall pine away for your iniquities, and mourn one, to another, one toward another. Thus Ezekiel is unto you a sign, according to all that he hath done shall ye do. And when this cometh, ye shall know that I am the Lord God. We're going to speak today from the subject, keep your head up. Keep your head up. Here our text it finds us at actually a heartbreaking moment. A heartbreaking moment. The prophet Ezekiel had just lost his wife. She had passed from a stroke. And then even the, the Bible, it tells us in the, in the scripture just before, it tells us where, Bible, where God says, listen, your, your wife have taken her for, for as a, as a, from a stroke or as of a stroke is how you lost her. And then, then he went on to say, listen, I don't want you to take your tire or your turban off your head. Don't want you to cover your lips. Don't want you to cover your face. Don't want you to take your shoes off. I don't want you to meet at bread or sit at bread with men. I don't want you, in other words, I don't want you to go to a repast. I don't want you to do any of those things. I know it's difficult, but I need you to trust me. I don't want you to do those things. And here it is, Ezekiel was going through all of this. <clears throat> in fact, we may believe that Ezekiel prayed that if it were the will of God, his wife might be spared. I believe he may have prayed that so that she may be healed. But God's answer was not to heal her on this side of heaven. That wasn't his answer. He actually had something else that he was doing in the midst, even in the midst of this situation, in the midst of this situation. I want you to actually look with me. Actually, before we go back to verse 21, I want to give you a little bit more background information concerning this, because these people, this, his Israelites, his chosen nation who had been scattered 
We know we've talked about them before, how they had embarrassed him everywhere they went. They were an embarrassment to him. He even compared them to uh, two adulterous sisters earlier we find here in Ezekiel. Two adulterous sisters. That means they went out, did whatever they wanted to with whomever they wanted to, virtually, virtually uh, selling themselves out to do it and then kept moving as though nothing happened. He said he compared them to them as we begin looking at our text. Look with me again at verse 21. Here it says, speak unto, speak unto the house of Israel. This is God speaking unto Ezekiel. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the excellency of your strength, the desire of your eyes and that which your soul pitieth and your sons and your daughters whom ye have left shall fall by the sword. Hereafter, Ezekiel experienced such a loss in his life, the, uh, such a loss in his life. The question became this. Would God actually hear the prophet's intercessions for this provoking people, for this provoking people? Again, I call them a provoking people because he compared them to adulterous sisters. So here it is, they, they provoked him to anger. They did not do what his word said. They did not follow his instruction. They didn't do anything that God actually wanted them to do. But here it is, they see this calamity coming. God is letting them know it's coming. And here the question becomes, would God actually, if Ezekiel prays on behalf of this nation, if he prays for this people, even as he would pray for his own wife, would God answer the prayer? Would he answer the prayer? I want you to know that no, it is determined. No, he would not answer the prayer in that regard. Understand, we, we have to see this, that God will take away the desire of your eyes. This is what he says in the passage. He said, God will take away the desire of your eyes. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. I want you to note this means that the removal of the comforts, the comforts that you have experienced, just like uh, what happened to Ezekiel, the wonderful relationships, the comfortable environments, the things that you're around will be taken away from you. He says, listen, these are the desire of your eyes. He's saying these will be removed. God will take them away. Now, clearly, this should awaken us to think that it could happen to us, too. And certainly in this regard, it should, it, they should be, have, have thought, listen, this could happen to us. This is why when they looked at Ezekiel, and he wasn't crying. He wasn't weeping. He didn't put stuff on his face and cut. They're like, what's wrong with you? I mean, you just lost your wife. What's going on? See, he was, he was showing them something. We're going to see in a few moments, he was showing them something and helping them to see something God wanted them to see and God wanted them to understand. But yet it was at this moment that something should have awakened and said, Lord, if, if, if this can happen to Ezekiel, this can happen to me, too. This can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. The fact is that we don't know if we'll experience something like this or worse. We don't know. It's by faith that we live this life. It's by faith that we walk every day. We thank God for his blessing. We thank God for his covering. But we understand 
It's him that causes us. It's not we that, do, that does these things. He blesses us. He covers us. He protects us. We have to understand that. And he had to awaken his people to that fact. He had to awaken his people to that fact. So now there's a question that I want us to ponder. What is it that you can lose that you would truly dread the loss of? What is it that you could lose that you would truly dread the loss of? Here for the Israelites, let me share with you. It was their public pride. It was their public pride. You say, well, what is that, Pastor? It was the temple. The temple was their public pride. Now, this was signified actually by the loss of Ezekiel's wife. It was by the loss of Ezekiel's wife, a dear wife, to teach us that God's sanctuary should be dearer to us and more the desire of our eyes, more the desire of our eyes than any comfort of our fleshly or carnal desire whatsoever. Now, some of you are looking, listen, say, Pastor, gosh, that is hard. That is hard. He used the death of his wife to be an example of what the church, the temple being destroyed would mean. Well, understand, do, do, do you or did you forget the prophet Hosea? Remember, he had Hosea marry the prostitute, the harlot, to show, a, show an example to us. What was that example of how the people were actually treating him, how the people regarded him? So here it was. Here is Ezekiel lost his beloved wife. He was using this as an example of what it would be like for the church, the temple to fall, because this is how much the temple meant to the people. It's how much the temple meant to the people. Just like that, the church of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ today, which is his spouse, should be our desire and passion too. To see the church build, to see the church grow, to see all the members jointly fit together, as the word says. Not just a building or a structure, because you and I are the church right now where we are. We are the church. And this is what God, Jesus, is wanting to see built and develop. It's important to understand that. Though this people, speaking of these Israelites, these people, they were very corrupt. They were corrupt and had themselves profaned the sanctuary. They did it themselves. Yet it is called the desire of their eyes. The desire of their eyes. In other words, they loved the temple. They went into the temple and did anything and everything that they would want to do while they're outside the temple, but yet go in the temple and treat it anyway as well. I want you to understand that this scripture where Ezekiel is writing this is 600 years before the ministry of Jesus Christ. 600 years, six centuries before the ministry of Jesus Christ. But do you remember what Jesus had to do? Remember when he went into the temple and there were money changers at all the tables? And he looked around and he turned the tables over and he said, you have taken my father's house, which is a house of prayer for all nations and turned it into a den of thieves. You remember that? Here it is six centuries after, but yet the same things were going on. And even in our day, we can see similar things happening around us. But watch this. Watch what God does and how he deals with this. Many that are destitute, 
many that are destitute of the power of godliness are yet very fond of the form of it. Let me say that again. Many that are destitute of the power of godliness are yet very fond of the form of it. You see, this godliness, this godliness, it, is, it has a power that is attached to it. Godliness has power. Where does the power come from? It comes because of we have godliness itself represents reverence honor unto God. We honor him. We reverence him. And the more you can do that, there is a power that is attached to it. But see, the problem is many of us don't really want the true power. We don't really want it. We are enamored by it. We want people to say we have it. We want to do it, but we're not willing to walk in godliness so we can have it. We would rather have a form of it. In other words, we would rather walk around looking pious instead of actually walking in piety. We would rather look like we're holy, look like we're that, instead of living our lives according to that. This is why it was, it was Paul speaking to his young pastor, Timothy. He said, listen, the people will have a form of godliness but they're denying the power thereof a form of godliness these same people that would go around and do foolishness do things that are out that are untoward toward the kingdom toward other people but they would do these things acting like they had a form of godliness but they denied the power thereof this is the same as this people these israelites in this moment these israelites here the Bible says also the sanctuary is here called the excellency of their strength. The sanctuary is called the excellency of their strength. Why is that important? You see, because, you know, just a lot of people, when we go to church, we're proud of our church. We're proud of the things that are there. We'll say, oh, man, that's my church right there. That's my church. You know, even children do it. Children, when, when they go to their church, oh my goodness, I know when we used to um, go and pick up children in the neighborhood at my old church and, and we would go and minister to them and bring them to the church, they would drive and be so excited, say, that's my church, that's my church. That was a little child, but they're grown folk that do the same thing. That's my church right there. That's my, pa hey, pastor. Hey, pastor, how you doing? Oh, oh deacon, deacon, deacon. Oh, they do all of that. But how are they living? How are they living outside the church? How are they living when no one is there watching? When no one's in, no one's in the room with them doing what they do? What are they, how are they living then? And they come around the church and think that because they walk in the church, that somehow it magically makes them holy. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you're in the Metro Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for our regularly scheduled services at Tabernacle of Worship. You will also be able to get this entire message. Please feel free to visit our website at www.taboworship.org. That's www.taboworship.org for more information.